Our gospel reading today is the Holy Gospel according to Mark, the eighth chapter. Glory to you, O Lord. Then Jesus began to teach them that the Son of Man must undergo great suffering and be rejected by the elders, the chief priests, and the scribes, and be killed, and after three days rise again. He said all of this quite openly. Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. But turning to his disciples, turning and looking at his disciples, he rebuked Peter and said, Get behind me, Satan, for you are setting your mind not on divine things, but on human things. He called the crowd with his disciples and said to them, If any want to become my followers, let them deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For those who want to save their life will lose it. And those who lose their life for my sake and for the sake of the gospel will save it. For what will it profit them to gain the whole world and forfeit their life? Indeed, what can they give in return for their life? Those who are ashamed of me and of my words and this adulterous and sinful generation of them, the Son of Man will also be ashamed when he comes in the glory of his Father with the holy angels. This is the Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. You may be seated. Beloved family of God, grace and peace to you from God, our Creator, and our Lord and Savior, Jesus the Christ. Amen. I'm going to take you back to February 4th, 1906. It was a baby boy who was born into a rather large family in Breslau, Germany. It's now a part of Poland. He and his twin sister were children number six and seven of what would be eight in the family. He came from a, a very educated family. His father was a psychiatrist. His mother was a teacher. He learned how to play the piano at the age of eight and was composing songs performed at the Philharmonic by the age of 11. When he was 12 years old, his older brother was drafted into service in World War I and died. At age 14, he decided to pursue theology. He was wrestling with these ideas of why these kinds of things happened, really affected by the death of his brother. And when he went in to study theology, he was something of a prodigy as well. He completed his Doctor of Theology degree, graduating summa cum laude at the age of 21 years old. When he was 24, he moved to America to study in New York City, and there a, a classmate of his brought him to Abyssinian Baptist Church in Harlem, which was a forerunner in the black gospel church tradition. He learned there about the injustices experienced by racial and ethnic minorities, as well as the ways in which the gospel spoke words of salvation and life into this suffering. And it's that time in New York City that would forever change the course of his life for the ways that it opened his eyes to the suffering in the world, to the many crosses that are borne by people all over, and the ways in which it drew him into a deeper life of faith. He'd moved back to Germany in 1931, just in time to witness the ascent the power of the Nazi party and Hitler as chancellor. He begins to dig deeper into the Gospels, 
particularly in the passages like the one we heard today where Jesus talks explicitly about the cross and crucifixion. He continues to hold fast to his faith in the midst of growing injustices that he sees happening. When it would be easier to just go along with the way things were going, he stands firm in his faith. In 1937, he publishes a book that lays out this theology of suffering and discipleship for all to read. In it, he writes whole chapters about this text from Mark's Gospel. He says, The cross is not the terrible end of a pious and happy life. Instead, it stands at the beginning of community with Jesus Christ. Whenever Christ calls us, His call leads us to die. This is a very brief snapshot of the early life of one of my theological heroes, Lutheran pastor and theologian Dietrich Bonhoeffer. The book he wrote where this quote comes from is from The Cost of Discipleship. In it, he writes about what it is to follow Jesus when conditions are not ideal. And can we all admit that conditions are never exactly ideal in which to follow Jesus? It's one that's been instructive to me, particularly as there seem to be so many intersecting struggles competing for our attention in the world today. So many people who are struggling to see where faith is leading. And so we use this lens to look into our gospel text for today. Right before this, in the passage just before this, Jesus has revealed himself to be the Messiah the anointed one, the one whom God's people have been waiting generations for. Thousands of years they've been waiting for the Messiah to come. The disciples would have been riveted by every word. They'd want to go shout it from the mountaintops. The Messiah is finally here. And so Jesus uses this occasion to tell them what that means for himself. As well as for them, he lays out the path ahead, and it's one that differs quite a bit from the disciples' expectations. He says the Son of Man must undergo suffering, must be rejected by the elders and those in power. Oftentimes we focus on this call to suffering, this suffering piece of Jesus' call to take up our cross and follow, but the particular insult added to the injury of crucifixion is the rejection. Right? It's the, it's the act of being thoroughly cast out. At every step of the way, those who would be crucified faced rejection. Sentenced to die, stripped of all dignity, cast out of the space you once called home, literally thrown outside the city walls and then left to die on top of a hill while those in power mocked you. Crucifixion was not just a, a particularly cruel way to die. It was also a very public way to die. And any time someone mentioned the cross, this is what would come to mind for Jesus' followers. 
So these disciples have just experienced Jesus confirm that he is exactly who they'd hoped he'd be. And as soon as this happens, he begins to talk about crosses. You have to love Peter when he takes Jesus aside. He says, you know, Jesus, we're, we're, we're big on the Messiah part of this. We're big fans of that. Love this for you. Love this for us. But the suffering thing isn't really our jam. It's not really what we're into. Maybe, maybe tone down the suffering and maybe talk more about being the Messiah. And yet it's this very Messiah, the very Jesus, the suffering one, rejected and crucified, who leads Peter and his disciples, indeed, who leads all of us and all creation through death and into the newness of life. This is the fulfillment of the promise given to Abram way back in Genesis. Seventeen chapters into the story of God and God's people, this promise is received and it's in the cross and resurrection of Jesus that we see that promise fulfilled. It's the very center of the radical grace that Paul writes about in his letter to the Romans. That it's Jesus who comes to us in the middle of our suffering, the middle of our rejection, our loneliness, our fear, and is firmly with us, binding us to himself so that wherever he goes, we may go as well. Dietrich Bonhoeffer writes later in The Cost of Discipleship that it's under Jesus' yoke, under Jesus' teaching, we are assured of his nearness and communion. It is Jesus himself whom disciples find when they take up their cross. It is Jesus himself whom disciples find when they take up their cross. Being a community who gathers around the cross helps us remember that while suffering and rejection may be part of our story, it's not the end of our story. That it's in suffering and rejection and all those experiences that we try to push away that we are met and ministered to by Jesus. Bonhoeffer would continue his path of faithful resistance in Nazi Germany. He started an underground seminary for pastors who refused to give in to the Nazi demands on the church. In 1941, he was recruited into a German uh, intelligence organization and learned of the atrocities being committed across his country. Eventually, he was arrested in April 1943 and spent two years in prison before ultimately dying in a camp in April of 1945, two weeks before the camp was liberated. He was led away and finished, as he finished his final worship service on a Sunday morning. He was led away and his final words were recorded as, This is the end, but for me, the beginning of life. This is the end, but for me, the beginning of life. I want to be clear that this is... Uh, not a call for us to all go and be arrested and sentenced to die and all those sorts of things. I want to be very clear about that. I want you to hear that clearly. And yet, 
What I love about Bonhoeffer's story is that he so clearly exemplifies this journey that Jesus lays out for his disciples. That when the easy way out comes to him, time and again, options to take the way out that would let him live. He had the opportunity to leave Germany during World War II, and yet he didn't. He stayed. He, had some, he was someone with the whole world to gain, and yet pursued the path of the cross. To take up our cross, as Jesus did, is to not look away from the pain and suffering in our world. It means seeing the importance, the love, and the promise of God that extends to each and every one of us, seeing that promise and the light of that promise in each and every one of us. And so as we move deeper into Lent, I wonder what it looks like. I wonder what the journey to the cross looks like for you in this season. I wonder what it looks like for Jesus to call us to die to some things in order to live. I wonder what it looks like when Jesus calls us to die to the need for certainty and to embrace a life of faith. Something we're digging into in our Wednesday night series. I wonder what it looks like when Jesus calls us to die to our needs to protect ourselves from seeing the pain of the world through numbness or apathy. Because when we move toward the cross in this season of Lent, it's an invitation for nearness and communion with the one who takes up his cross and carries us with him through death and into new life. And for that we can say thanks be to God. Amen.